Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and welcome again to Student of the Word, and today I'm going to talk about divine appearances. David said he looked for the appearance of God in the sanctuary, and we're going to start looking for divine appearances, God's revelation to us, angels, the voice of God, all the different ways that God has spoken in the past. He wants to talk to you today because we and our nation and the world are on the verge of a great revival. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello, this is Pastor Bob. Welcome again to Student of the Word. We are glad to have you here today. In our own country right now, as well as around the world, we are seeing the forces of evil banding together for the last days. And in the last days, there's going to be one world government. The Bible says it'll be headed up by the EU. And uh, then there'll also be other things in the earth. And in those things, there'll be evil nations. And Russia and China are part of that, as well as some of the Muslim nations. Then there's going to be the other nations that are basically just here. That's the United States. That's other nations around the world. And the Bible doesn't say who will be prosperous, who won't be prosperous, but pretty much it's it's going to be a totalitarian government surrounded the, surrounding the world. It'll be, again, like I said, run from the EU. But the days we're living in right now, we are seeing all these natural things come to pass and fear is gripping the hearts of many Christians, which it shouldn't be. If you read the end of Revelation, if you read the end of Bible prophecy, you'll find out that God is going to send Jesus back himself, who will rule and reign for a thousand years and after that forever. And the thousand years is called the millennium. Between the millennium and then the uh, uh, other time he'll reign after that forever will be the great white throne judgment, which all nations who have rejected Jesus as Savior will stand before him and they will be sentenced forever to the lake of fire. After that, there'll be no more people born. We will all have resurrection bodies and we will live with the Lord, with Jesus. Heaven will come and rest over the earth forever after that time. And Jesus will rule from Jerusalem and the heaven that comes down will be called the new Jerusalem. In other words, we have a great future to look forward to. But right now we kind of live in the nasty now and now. But God has not forgotten us. And what I want you to t understand today is before Jesus comes back for his church, it's not a time to hide, not a time to go into your home. It's a time to expect the supernatural because during times of persecution, the supernatural increases. In fact, there's been reports coming from Muslim nations of people over there who don't like the Muslim religion, who are in those nations and have cried out to God and visions are coming to them. Visions of Jesus, even Jesus preaching, telling them he is the one and they accept him. This is the rare exception because God wants to minister through us to those people, but in places where it's difficult for people to get through and to come into those nations, Jesus is appearing to them. Angels appear to them. And so there's been many that have been saved during this time that we're living in right now because these are happening behind the scenes. Of course, the news will not release these stories, but missionaries who live over there do. And the same story comes in so many countries that are happening. What I'm saying right now to you is, according to the Word of God, whenever uh, times of heavy persecution comes, there's also a time of the supernatural. Preaching before that actually occurs, before it occurs in its fullness. And we should expect that today. And uh, during times of our past, we've had great outpourings of the Spirit. And uh, we came back from World War II, there was a great outpouring of the Spirit. They came back from Vietnam, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit with the Jesus movement today. We are seeing a lull in all of that, but there's a rising tide of expectancy from people to see the presence of God. Those who have known it existed, but they didn't seem to care because why? Life was good, life was great, finances were okay 
okay, had a car, had uh, plenty of things, good children, you know, a comfortable lifestyle. And during those times, you don't look for the supernatural power of God but it's something that we should do. I want to look at a verse of scripture in Psalm 63 and verse two. While you're finding it, I'm gonna be talking today about throughout the word of God, there's the supernatural appearance of God and people came with an expectancy to find it. And we find this in the book of Acts. And that's why I'm offering the book of Acts for you to see what God has promised to us in our time period and in our dispensation. And so the announcer will come on at halftime and tell you how you can have a copy of it for yourself. Psalm 63 and verse two, this is what David wrote. I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Notice the anticipation. And where did he look for it? In the sanctuary. And where the presence of God is the strongest is when people get together. How good and how pleasant is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And he mentions supernatural things. It's like the anointing oil on the head of the prophet and uh, different things that are brought out in those verses of scripture. This is what God is wanting us to look for when we come to church, not just a sermon, not just a good praise and worship service, not let's get it over with as fast as possible, not trying to make the, uh, the uh, sermon relevant to today, but what is God saying from a passage of scripture? You know, I've had people tell me when they go to church, they said, well, it's like, I know what the pastor's saying. He tells a story about himself or his family, and then he relates the word of God to that. Well, that's okay, and that can happen at times, but you know what? I would rather hear the word of God and let the Holy Spirit Spirit, tell everyone here how that passage of scripture applies to them. I have taught, you know, there's times I had 1,000 people, 2,000, 3,000 people at one time attending our church. But the point was this, I could preach a sermon and I would preach from scripture. I, once in a while I'd throw myself into it, once in a while I'd throw a story into it, but I'd mainly explain what that verse of scripture meant. What was it meaning to the people of that day, but also what does it mean to us today? And then I've had people come up to me at the end of the sermon and they said, oh, that was a great sermon. Let me tell you what I got out of that. And they'll start to explain it to me. And my first thought is, that's not at all what I taught on. How did you get that from that? But the Holy Spirit reminds me he can take one sermon and break it up 3,000 different ways. If you preach his word, that's what the anointing will do. But many of those people told me they came in anticipation. I prayed that God would answer a specific question I had, and he did it today. And so David said again in Psalm 63 and verse 2, I have looked for you in the sanctuary. Are you really anticipating the presence of God? Are you really anticipating that Lord is going to talk to you. And on top of that, you might even have a vision in the church, hear the Lord speak to you through the Holy Spirit or else audibly to you that no one else can hear. This has happened throughout the word of God. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The things I'm talking about here are not just in Isaiah's day, are not back just in Jeremiah's day, are not back in the days of the major and minor prophets, but also for the New Testament. It happened in the book of Acts, the book of Acts has not ended. And so the book of Acts is still being written today because we see stories every day of individuals. And these are not ministers. These are not prophets. These are not evangelists of everyday Christians who are having experiences in their life, in the church, and in the daily life they have of the Holy Spirit and the supernatural. There was two girls that told me they were out on the freeway and they were out on the freeway and, and they had a blowout in their car and they had to pull over to the side. They said it was just like cars coming one after another. They were afraid to do anything. And they said, suddenly a man walked up and said, let me help you. I'll, I'll change your tire for you. He went back to the back and pretty I mean, in no time had that tire on there. And so they went and thanked him and everything. Then they turned around to say something else to him and he was gone. 
And they suddenly realized that was an angel. He was there to help them at that time. And they weren't even looking for him. Think what could happen if you started anticipating appearances of angels, appearances of Jesus Christ himself, appearances of answers you've been looking for, and even from sources you would have never even gathered it from. So this is what I'm saying. If David said, I have looked for you in the sanctuary, why don't we make that a prayer? Why don't you make that a confession? I'm going to start looking for God when I come to church to see his power and his glory. All we know is this. God is with us. He's told us that. So whether we're alone or in a group of believers, Jesus' promises never leave or forsake us as he never leaves us nor forsake us as individuals and promises to be with us when two or three are gathered together in his name. Church ought to be a place where we can look for, anticipate the supernatural presence of God and expect his power to be in the service, but also we that power accompanies us as we go home. We should anticipate healing in our own lives and in the lives of others attending. The word in the James, it says, is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. This had to be during the church service. There must have been a time when people could request it and they would have the elders up there to pray for them. Then we should expect the delivering of answers to our problems, the opening of doors needed to minister to other Christians and finally to witness to and win the lost. In my own years of pastoring, there have been times when people saw angels in the auditorium and God's visible presence called his glory. One lady told me, she said, it's been three or four times. I haven't talked to you, pastor, but three or four times in the past three years I've been here, I've seen you standing there ministering and there was an angel behind you. It must've been nine feet tall. This angel was huge. And whenever you pointed your hand, he pointed his hand. Whenever you moved to the right, he moved to the right. And that presence was there. And I saw him again today. You think I want to look at that lady and think she's crazy? No, I thank God for her. Because in many of those services, I often think it is, this getting across? Is this message getting to the people? And then I understand it when something happens like that. I've got supernatural assistance and supernatural help, especially in the congregation of the righteous. You know, too many ministers overemphasize the use of the verse, let everything be done decently and in order. That's found in 1 Corinthians 14, 40. And they believe spiritual manifestations should be greatly limited and controlled because this is not decently and in order. I believe visible manifestations of angels and God's glory are a part of decently and in order. Unless the Lord builds the house and the house can be your personal life or the life of a church service, it says we labor in vain who build it. That's Psalm 127 and verse one. But the promise of God has also been to his saints that at times he will personally appear to his children. He told us this. In fact, Peter prophesied it and spoke out about it in in chapter two of Acts. And Joel is the one who spoke it back in chapter two of Joel. He said, it'll come to pass in the last days, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. He said later on, he would personally appear. They would have visions and signs and have dreams. He's appeared in visions. He's appeared in dreams. He's appeared in person to leaders and citizens of Israel in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, Jesus appeared after his resurrection to church leaders and saints throughout the Gospels and the book of Acts. Angels have also appeared to saints in the Old Testament. 
and also in the new. We are even told in Hebrews 13 to expect to see angels because they can come in as strangers unawares to bless us. Since the book of Revelation was finished, Jesus and angels have continued to appear to believers. This is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 5 through 8, where after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to all of those, including a multitude, over 500 brethren at one time. So Joel and Peter made a great combination because what Joel prophesied, Peter was brought to mind by the Holy Spirit, and he quoted that prophecy and said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Notice this again, there was a great crowd around. I think God's presence can come to you when you're alone, but some of the greatest times of the manifestations of the presence of God is when we are in church together, meeting together as believers. Again, Joel and Peter both preached that old and young believers, male and female, would see visions and dream dreams. This is Joel chapter 2 and Acts chapter 2. A great part of the revival heritage in our own nation and the world has included special appearances of Jesus, angels to minister, young and old men and women, bringing them special messages of Holy Spirit power, bringing divine healing, great numbers of salvations, and these personal appearances of Jesus will continue until He comes back to rule and to reign on the earth. We'll continue this when we come back, but I want you to get a copy of the book on the book of Acts. At the dawn of the church age, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and power to his followers. From Pentecost, they were led by his Spirit to blaze a trail through the hazardous maze of pagan cultures and religious legalism. Like wildfire, the gospel spread through the known world, bringing salvation to a whole generation and triumph and trial to the church. In a New Testament commentary on Acts, Bob Yannian explores the exploits of those sent to uproot the binding vines of religion and philosophy and to sow the kingdom of God. Through evaluations of early congregations and detailed descriptions of their cities, Pastor Bob walks us through the exciting, perilous adventure of the early church. Order a New Testament commentary on Acts at bobyandian.com. Hi, Pastor Bob. March the 7th through the 9th, I'm having my minister's conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Joseph Z will be joining me and I want you to join me too, no matter what phase of ministry you're involved in. March the 7th through the 9th. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. 
What I'm asking you now is how would you act if Jesus visited you? Stop and think about that for just a moment. It's not even in your everyday thinking, but when you start anticipating things, it's taking your faith and putting it out there for the supernatural. I know God can reveal a verse of scripture to me, but the revelation of that verse has come to many people, but it can also come to me or you individually and tell you something which only you know is true. And on, on top of that, the thing you've been praying about specifically. So open yourself up. I mean, we often pray and then expect, well, God's gonna send somebody to tell me or God's just going to bear witness with you. Or when I see something, I'm just going to know it. And that happens all the time. But why don't you again extend that out further and just simply say this, I'm expecting all these things, but you know what, Lord, if you want to visit me specifically, come and visit me. I'm open because you've done it throughout the word of God and I'm expecting it in my own life. So again, how would you act if Jesus visited you? Don't ever rule out a personal visitation from the Lord. It'll probably come when you're not expecting it or as the word puts it often when Jesus or an angel appeared, it was suddenly Bible visitations of angels have occurred throughout the word of God. And I'm just going to give you a number of them and show you how differently the people acted each time. There's not one set way that people acted. Manoah and his wife, these are the parents of Samson. It says in Judges chapter 13 and verse 20, the angel of the Lord, this is a title, an Old Testament title for Jesus Christ himself. It says the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar that's toward heaven, from earth toward heaven. And when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. Again, Judges 13, 20. Why am I bringing this out? Because this is only one way that people have acted. They fell on their faces to the ground in great reverence, suddenly realizing who it was that was talking to them. Again, these were the parents of Samson. In fact, the entire chapter of Judges 13 is dedicated to the birth of Samson. God promised a leader to begin taking Israel out of their present captivity. Most angelic appearances in the Bible are in human physical form and not a spirit. A few times, Jesus appears in the Old Testament as an angel and is called the angel of the Lord. And here is one of them. In these verses before this, the angel had already appeared to Manoah's wife and she would have a child. And that's what he told her. She gave the message to her husband who prayed that the angel would return. Notice this. He wants to see a special manifestation. This reminds me so much of Mary and Joseph before the birth of Jesus, how the angel appeared to both of them and brought great assurance to them of the great thing that was going to happen through them. Messiah was about to be born. Now, I'm not saying that you're standing in the place equal to them and, you, and the results are going to change the entire world, but God doesn't care. He loves you just as much as he loved Mary and Joseph. So again, in this particular case, Manoah gave the message to her husband and he prayed the angel would return and tell him what he was supposed to do. And the angel did return later to the wife and she had the angel stay there and she ran out to tell her husband the messenger had come. They both went in and met the Lord and he gave them instructions on how to raise their son, Samson. At that time, neither one realized who they were talking to. Again, they recognized him the first time, but this time they thought he was just an angel. Manoah wanted to offer a sacrifice and the angel told him only to offer a burnt sacrifice to God. As the sacrifice was made, the angel performed a miracle and they both fell on their face, realizing they had been in the presence of the Lord himself. 
Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 5 says this, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I will dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When the Lord appeared to Isaiah, all that Isaiah could see was the holiness of God and the unworthiness of himself. I know you're born again, and I know I'm born again, but you know what? I'm still surrounded by this flesh, and there's still things I do that surprise me. I can lose my temper. I can think evil of someone or else I can talk bad about a situation, not keeping my eyes on the Lord. And if Jesus were to appear at me at that time, the whole thing that would stand out to me is how righteous he is and how even though I am born again, how unrighteous I am in my natural life. I realize my spirit is made in his image. I realize I can't sin in my spirit, but I still sin. And those times have to be asked for by 1 John 1, 9 for God to, to forgive me. And in this particular case, when Isaiah saw the Lord, as much as he was used by the Holy Spirit for writing scripture, but the moment he saw the Lord, he realized something. He said, man, I'm a man of unclean lips. This is why to be in the presence of God, when we die, we lose our humanity. In other words, our body is gone. Then we can stand before God because our spirit is made perfect. But when we stand before him one day in a brand new physical body, it's going to be called a resurrection body. And it will be made in total purity. It'll have no nature of the flesh, no fallen nature of Adam in it. It will be a body prepared by God himself for me. Then I can stand in his presence forever and forever. That's why whenever the Lord came on this earth and appear to people, oftentimes they would fall down before him. Or as Isaiah said again, woe is me for I am undone. I have a man of unclean lips. He went on to say, and he knew what was happening in his nation. His nation had turned from God. The people had turned from the Lord. They had turned toward idols. And he said, I, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Those he was talking about in the nation had honestly accepted the Lord, but they were living in total carnality. And Isaiah says, I've been preaching to them. I know where they stand, but I know they are a people also of unclean lips. He says, I have seen the Lord. And he said, he's the Lord of hosts. Isaiah responded to the appearance of the Lord. And it was different than Samson's parents who were overwhelmed at his appearance. Isaiah felt in his own self total inadequacy, a lack of worth in the presence of the Lord of hosts. Uzziah was a close friend of Isaiah, and because of his sin, usurping the authority of the priest, Uzziah was struck with leprosy and banished to a house for lepers. So sometimes their Lord will appear, and when he will come in judgment toward those who are rejecting him, or those who have put him so far off, or those who are uplifting themselves above everybody else. Isaiah the moment he saw the Lord, instead of rising up and saying how great he was for having a vision, he just fell to the ground with his own inadequacy and his total lack of worth. Uzziah was struck with leprosy again, banished to the house for lepers. And the Bible says in the year that Uzziah died, Isaiah received a fresh increased anointing from the Lord. He saw the risen Jesus seated in heaven and the train of his robe filled the entire temple. Jesus was showing that no man usurps the authority of God. His anointing and presence in the temple was overwhelming. And this is what caused Isaiah to claim his own shortcomings in the Lord's presence and declare himself to be a man of unclean lips. What am I saying? If the Lord appears to you, don't be afraid to fall down and worship him. Don't be afraid to call him Lord. And don't be, feel bad if you feel inadequate in his sight, because that happens all the time. 
that no matter how great of a life you're living for Jesus, you're going to feel inadequate when you stand in front of him. And he felt unworthy to fulfill the Lord's will in his own strengths. So the Lord took a coal from off the altar of the Lord, touched Isaiah's lips and told him, declare the message of God that he had given to him. And he was made pure by the holiness of the Lord. I can say this, you may feel unworthy, but by the time the Lord leaves, you're going to realize how worthy you are and that Jesus would come and talk to you and give you his will and depart from his normal way of operating and literally come off the throne and come to you. When the Bible says he's seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father, we are told in Psalm 110 verse 1, he's going to sit there, there until God himself makes his enemies his footstool. And in that time, he will come back. But in the meantime, there are times he's risen up, done something and go back and sat down again. And uh, he was there at the the first person, the first one that became a martyr in the word of God, Stephen. And Stephen says, I see Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. That was incredible because I'm sure those around him even knew the verse of scripture from Psalm 110 that the Lord was supposed to sit there until the time that he was going to come back and set the world free. So this was found in Luke chapter 5 and verse 8, wherever Jesus appeared before Peter. And Peter also saw himself as unworthy and said to Jesus, depart from me. I am a sinful man. Notice again that the Lord is so righteous to see him helps us to understand we still have a long way to go in our life to be walking in righteousness as we are righteous. Both had the same reaction, Peter and Isaiah. They saw how great and powerful the Lord was and how undeserving we as individuals are for even a touch from the Lord. Let's talk about Moses. Exodus chapter three and verse six says this, Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look on God. Notice again, we think, oh, if Jesus came, I'd have a hundred questions I want to ask him. I doubt if you'd get to the first question, you'd be so overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus and the presence of his holiness. And you'd realize just how unworthy you are, even though you are born again, even though you are a child of God. And even though we like to say, I am the righteousness of God. And that is true. But to stand next to Jesus Christ himself, the author of all holiness, as holy as God, the father is as holy as the Holy Spirit is not one bit of sin in him and to stand before him, we would probably fall to the floor and say the same things that many of these have said. Moses was tending his father-in-law's sheep and came on a burning bush that was not consumed by the fire. The angel of the Lord spoke from the bush. This is again, the voice of Jesus Christ himself in a flaming fire. He called out Moses' name twice and Moses replied, here I am. Moses was standing on holy ground and about to get a leading that would change his life forever. But he was on such holy ground that the Lord said, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. Said later on the same thing to Joshua, who was about to go into battle. By calling out Moses' name twice, God set a precedent. It's an attention getter designed to pass along a very important message. At the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, Jesus called his name twice. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? When Jesus warned Peter of coming rough days, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you. I have prayed for you that you will not fail. So when giving an important life-changing truth, Jesus says, verily, verily, I say to you. When he repeats something twice, he's looking for your attention attention and your full attention. Perhaps the first verily you might go, yeah, and the second verily you go, what? I mean, he's really got your attention by that time. So when God spoke to Moses, this once fearless leader, 
hung his head and hid his face in fear, but it's a good type of fear. It's a great reverence, reverence for God and a lack of confidence in himself. We need more of that. In fact, probably would have more appearances of the Lord in the individual's lives if we would realize this. Even though I am born again, I got a long way to go. Lord, even though you've helped me, I have to have more help in the days to come. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word, because that's what's going to guide me in the days to come. Too many people are self-confident in their own ability to make themselves a spiritual success. We need an encounter with God to bring us back to a lack of self-assurance and a realization without Jesus, I can't do anything. But with him, I can do all things through Christ. We're going to continue this tomorrow. We're going to come back and we'll bring up David in the next episode when we're talking here about special appearances by God and how you need to anticipate them in the days to come. We'll see you in the next broadcast. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.